Welcome to Safety Spectrum, your environmental health and safety connection. This program is a presentation of the Michigan Safety Conference. For almost a century, the annual conference has provided credible educational opportunities and valuable support to the safety and health practitioner by offering 120 instructional programs along with exhibits highlighting the latest in safety equipment, instrumentation, and demonstrations. To learn more about the conference, please find us at mich.safetyconference.org. The Safety Spectrum, I'm your host, Sheila Eide. This program is sponsored by the Michigan Safety Conference, and our topic today is health and safety issues in cannabis production. In a very short time, the cannabis industry has expanded as multiple growing, processing, and retail outlets have been established. What are the hazards and what resources does Michigan OSHA offer this multifaceted industry? Our guest today will discuss grow and processing operations. My guest, Eric Zabin, is the Industrial Hygiene Manager for the Biosha Set Division IH Onsite Consultation Program. Eric holds a degree from Purdue University and is both a certified industrial hygienist and certified safety professional. He has worked with Myosha for 25 years as a practicing industrial hygienist, performing inspections, consultations, and training before taking on the leadership role of the on-site IH consultation division of SET. Thank you for joining me today on Safety Spectrum, Eric. Thank you for having me. So let's start right out. Please tell me about the Myosha SET on-site consultation program. The Myosha Consultation Education and Training Division's on-site consultation program is a voluntary program where we help employers come into compliance with Myosha standards without the threat of penalties and citations. The service is free and confidential. All of those things are very good. So are there any specific requirements that an employer must agree to beforehand? Yes. Participating employers must agree to allow employees to be involved, and they must also agree to fix any serious hazards determined during the hazard survey. Employers can request consultation assistance by visiting www.michigan.gov forward slash C-E-T-R-C-A. That's www.michigan.gov forward slash RCA. So they get both sides. They get the inspection and they get the consultative consultation assistance. So one package deal. Great. So have you had any employers in the cannabis industry actually request a hazard survey from the on-site group? Yes, we performed hazard surveys and trainings for several cannabis grow and processing operations. Oh, interesting. So what are the, some of the employee health and safety hazards in the cannabis growing and processing industry? I'd like to mention that one of the most comprehensive resources for learning about occupational hazards in cannabis production facilities has been published by the state of Colorado's Department of Public Health and Environment. In 2017, they published a guide to worker safety and health in the marijuana industry, and it's the basis for much of the information I'd like to talk about today. The state of Washington and the National Fire Protection Association have also published helpful documents. This industry emerged in Michigan during the last five years due to changes in the legal status of cannabis. In November 2018, voters in Michigan passed a proposal that legalized cannabis for recreational use and required the state to create a licensing system for growers, 
processors and retailers, the Cannabis Regulatory Agency. Since the implementation of the licensing system, the number of growers in Michigan has swelled to over a thousand, and the state now has over 200 companies that process cannabis. There are chemical, physical, and biological employee health and safety hazards at companies that grow and process cannabis. As of June 2023, Maosha had conducted 12 enforcement inspections of cannabis facilities and found 37 violations of Maosha regulations. The deficiencies identified included respiratory protection, personal protective equipment, chemical hazard communication, lack of eyewash facilities, storage and handling of flammable liquids, electrical safety, equipment guarding, injury and illness record keeping, and an overexposure to paracetic acid. I guess it's not surprising that Colorado was the place you go to to find out the information because they were the first ones to legalize it, as I recall. So are those the types of violations that you really expected to find? Yes, I'm not surprised that there was an overexposure to parasitic acid and subsequent citations for inadequate personal protective equipment and inadequate eyewash facilities. Growers spray algicide, fungicide, bactericides when changing over a grow room. These organic peroxides are irritating to the respiratory tract, extremely corrosive to the skin, and can cause serious eye damage if exposed. Any employer that uses organic peroxides will need to have an ANSI-approved eyewash facility. Can you describe the types of operations that are typical in these facilities? Many cannabis-related facilities will focus on one or two aspects of the industry, growing, processing, or selling. Each of these types of facilities presents unique hazards and related safety issues. Through our state emphasis programming, we are focused on enforcing MIOSHA standards in the growing and processing operations. Growing cannabis is an agricultural operation. These companies start out with tiny cloned plants that are kept in a vegetative growth state until they're large enough to be transported to another area of the facility, often a separate building to begin the flowering state, which is also an agricultural operation. Once the plant is harvested, it's dried and processed into several forms, including dried flour and extracted essential oils. I don't know if you know this, Eric, but how long does it actually take from the, the clone stage to the flowering stage? And is it a long process? Um, I don't know, probably months. Okay, so I was wondering. So perhaps it makes sense to categorize employee hazards in these different operations. What are some of the specific hazards in growing versus processing facilities? There are some standards that apply to both operations, namely fire safety codes like NFPA 1 or life safety code, which is enforced by local authorities having jurisdiction, typically the local fire marshal. Likely occupancy classifications for cannabis-related facilities that grow and process cannabis, including extraction rooms, are classified as industrial facilities. MIOSHA has adopted several consensus standards to prevent or mitigate fire hazards. If a facility has a high hazard contents, which are contents that are likely to burn with extreme rapidity or are likely to explode, then the high hazard content provisions of several consensus standards 
would need to be applied. Other types of hazards for both operations include biological hazards and chemical hazards. Another safety hazard found in both growing and processing operations are large quantities of compressed gas. All compressed gases are hazardous because of the high pressure inside the cylinders. Most cylinders have safety relief devices. These devices can prevent rupture of the cylinder if internal pressure builds up to levels exceeding the design limits. However, gas can be released deliberately by opening the cylinder valve or accidentally from a broken or leaking valve from a safety device. In other industries, there have been many cases in which cylinders have become uncontrolled rockets or pinwheels that have caused severe injury and damage. Other standards that apply to both growing and processing operations include emergency eyewash facilities, eye personal protective equipment, and hazard communication programming. So growing facilities are typically large warehouse type buildings subdivided into rooms. The grow rooms are closely monitored to provide exactly the same conditions for the right conditions for the plants. Usually plants are moved throughout the building as they reach different stages and require different conditions for optimal growth. Some hazards in growing facilities include egress. A crowded area of plants and materials can become a maze for workers trying to exit. Lights. Use of hot lighting systems often run for 24 hours a day and can be sources of ignition, especially if they fall. Combustible interior finishes. Areas separated by tarps or other flammable materials could create fire hazards and egress issues. Wall and ceiling finishes can increase fire spread. High electrical loads. High quantities of lighting, air conditioning, fans, and other systems use a significant amount of electrical energy. Overloaded circuits can spark fires. Fumigation and fertilization. Uh, hazardous materials used for fumigation and fertilization present both employee health and building fire risk to employees and first responders. Systems installed to deliver fumigation and fertilization could increase the risks in a facility due to failures and leaks. Illegal locks and barriers. These highly secure facilities may have non-compliant doors and locking mechanisms that can hinder egress in a fire or in a, an emergency. Inert gas during the grow. Unlike greenhouses used for flowers and vegetable growing, the majority of cannabis growers and cultivators are moving to sealed grow environments. Cannabis grow operations use liquid carbon dioxide and indoor grow rooms to increase plant growth. Cannabis grow operations use, if, if there's a leak in the room, there could be a dangerous level of carbon dioxide that leads to severe health effects such as dizziness, unconsciousness, or death. Marijuana grow facilities using carbon dioxide gas must have a proper detection and alarm systems capable of detecting and notifying the building occupants of a gas release of carbon dioxide at or in excess of MIOSHA's permissible exposure limit of 5,000 parts per million. A warning sign needs to be posted at the entrance to the room where the gas is used. This sign must say, caution, 
carbon dioxide gas, ventilate before entering, a high carbon dioxide gas concentration in this area can cause suffocation. Marijuana cultivation facilities will typically use insecticides and fungicides within the facility. Marijuana is considered an agricultural commodity in Michigan. If an employer applies a pesticide containing agricultural use requirements on the label, then compliance with the federal worker protection standard is required. EPA's agricultural worker protection standard is enforced by the Michigan Department of Agriculture and Rural Development. They have adopted rules that have set the criteria for allowable pesticide use in the cultivation of cannabis in Michigan. A list of pesticides allowed for use in cannabis production has been published by their Pesticide and Plant Pest Management Division. And I would assume that people would also have the pesticide licensing to be able to apply these uh, products. Uh, have there been any fires or major incidents or accidents in the cannabis grow operations that come to mind? Yes, but the vast majority of fires occur at illegal grow operations. Illegal. Illegal. Prior to cannabis being decriminalized, it was grown illicitly in indoor grow houses which are residents used for marijuana production. These homes presented an increased risk for structural fires and can result, can result in property damage, injury, and loss of life to both community members and firefighters. Now, many of these grow houses are legal. If it's in someone's house and the grower does not have employees, Maosha would not have jurisdiction. However, because there's an increased risk of structural fires, it's worth mentioning some of the risks that firefighters could be exposed to. Chemicals frequently present in indoor grow houses include plant fertilizers, herbicides, pesticides, and fungicides. Each of these present potential skin absorption, eye exposure, and inhalation risks. Of particular concern is a device known as a sulfur burner, this device uses a, a heating element to melt sulfur pellets, which in turn produce sulfur dioxide, a topical fungicide to prevent powdery mildew from forming on the plants. Sulfur dioxide released within an enclosed space presents a serious hazard. When sulfur dioxide combines with water, the reaction yields sulfuric acid, as our airway and lungs contain water, inhalation can result in internal chemical burns. Also concerning is the presence of carbon dioxide cylinders and propane powered carbon dioxide generators. Increased carbon dioxide within these tightly sealed rooms can displace oxygen, leading to asphyxiation. Propane cylinders and associated tubing have the possibility of leaking. Growers may deliberately vent gas furnaces and water heater exhaust into these rooms. This not only releases carbon dioxide, but also carbon monoxide, which can possibly lead to carbon monoxide poisoning. Another physical hazard for occupants and first responders is entanglement. Among these are ventilation ducting, exposed electrical wiring, electrical cords, flexible plastic irrigation tubing, and rope. A particular concern is large diameter flexible ducting, which is used in rooms for both intake and exhaust of air and to control heat and moisture from in the grow room. This ducting constructed of a lightweight aluminum foil laminate 
wrapped around small diameter helical wire entangles firefighters. Under fire conditions, the exterior sheathing melts away, leaving the exposed wire. In a smoke-filled environment, these entanglement hazards can be difficult to detect. Another grow house hazard to firefighters are structural modifications, including holes cut into walls and ceilings to plumb ventilation ducting to the structure's attic or exterior. Under fire conditions, these penetrations could lead to rapid fire spread into attics and to other concealed spaces. Due to high moisture content in the grow rooms, rot damage may weaken structural elements. Load-bearing walls could be removed to make way for cultivation, leading to structural compromise. Holes have been cut through joists and floorboards to allow plants to be grown directly in the soil beneath the subfloor. Finally, we know that one of the most significant indoor grow-related hazards is the potential for electrocution. Grow lights use a tremendous amount of electricity. A grow house consume upwards of 20 times the average household use. In addition, electrical equipment may be poorly wired and the home circuits overloaded, leading to potential electrocution, shock and burn, and fire ignition sources. Illicit growers have been known to bypass electrical meters. As a result, firefighters may secure electrical utilities only to discover that there's still power to the residents. If first responders make contact with exposed wiring or spray hose streams into energized equipment, there's a risk for electrocution. Yeah, a lot of these hazards can also apply to a legal grow house. But then if they don't have employees, as you stated, my OSHA would not have any jurisdiction. So they could firefighters could run into these hazards, whether it's legal or Ill illegal quite a few. Right. So although Myosha might have might not have jurisdiction over grow houses, Myosha does have jurisdiction over licensed industrial type uh, high-tech grow operations. Yes, cannabis growing and processing facilities fall under the scope of the Myosha Agricultural Standards or Myosha General Industry Standards. This is dependent on which part of the cannabis production is in question. During the growth phase of production, MIOSHA agricultural standards apply. For example, there's a specific set of requirements that apply to respirator use found in our MIOSHA Part 700 agriculture. Pesticides have been associated with dermal and respiratory toxicity for the workers who apply them. It's not uncommon for employees to be required to use respiratory protection when using pesticides and fungicides. Workers applying pesticides without proper personal protective equipment may be placing themselves at risk. Applicators need to know the product, use the product according to the label, and to understand the product's toxicity. So tell us about what happens when the plants are ready to be processed. Immediately after the plant is harvested and introduced into the processing phase, MIOSHA general industry standards apply. Processing facilities are the operations that tr transform the plant into products for consumption. One common type of processing facility is an extraction room. During the extraction process, essential oils are removed from the plant for use in other cannabis products like hash oil for edibles, vape cartridges, and wax. The extraction process is commonly completed by using a solvent, such as butane or carbon dioxide 
to strip essential oils holding these chemicals from the plant clippings. Safety issues related to extraction include the bulk handling and mixing of gases, especially if extraction equipment is improperly designed or installed. We have new consensus standard for certification and listing of extraction equipment, ANSI Underwriter Laboratory 1389, plant oil extraction equipment for installations and use in ordinary locations and hazardous locations. Equipment, wiring methods, and installation in hazardous, also known as classified locations, can be, shall be intrinsically safe and approved for the hazardous location. So class one, division one locations are where ignitable concentrations of flammable gases or vapors may exist under normal operating conditions. Class two, division two, or class one, division two locations are locations where volatile flammable liquids or flammable gases are handled, processed, or used, but the hazardous liquids, vapors, or gases will normally be confined within closed containers or closed systems from which they can escape only in the event of an accidental rupture or equipment breakdown. Extraction rooms would be typically classified locations as extraction operations involve the use of flammable materials. All of the equipment used in these areas must be rated or listed per ANSI, underwriters, NFPA, or other consensus standards. This includes wiring, fittings, cylinders, vessels, piping, tubing, gauges, pumps, meters, valves, and all other processing equipment. So do these employers use disinfectants or other cleaning chemicals? Yes, there are a variety of cleaning and disinfectant chemicals on the market. The least hazardous cleaning chemical that best suits the purpose for which it is designed should be chosen. These products are primarily intended for use as hard surface disinfectants. They're not intended to be applied directly to crops to control pest problems. Employers must provide safe working conditions for employees using cleaning and disinfection materials. Even if store-bought household disinfectants and cleaners are used, employees should be warned of their potential hazards. EPA-registered antimicrobials fall under pesticide registration and must be used in a manner consistent with the product labeling. These chemicals should be part of the facility's hazard communication plan. When chemicals such as bleach are used routinely, they can be corrosive to surfaces and could affect employees using the products by causing respiratory and skin irritation. In addition, most cannabis grow and processing facilities need to have ANSI compliant emergency eyewash facilities, and there are several tasks that require chemical splash goggles unless employees are wearing full face respirators. So, Eric, tell us about some of the other health hazards that exist in these facilities. According to a review by NIOSH, studies have found that workers in cultivation, harvesting, and processing of cannabis face dermal exposure to the psychoactive chemicals in cannabis, ergonomic stressors, 
and potential exposure to allergens and respiratory hazards through inhalation of organic dusts, including fungi, bacteria, and endotoxins. There are three main types of asthma-causing agents found in cannabis growing and processing facilities. The plant itself, disinfectants like bleach, hydrogen peroxide, and parasitic acid, and mold and powdery mildew. Marijuana production requires increased levels of humidity, which have been found to be as high as 70%. This increased humidity and the presence of organic material promotes the growth of mold. We know there's a strong association to, between indoor exposure to mold and health issues, including wheezing, coughing, increased asthma symptoms, shortness of breath, and respiratory infections. Respiratory protection might be required for any dusty operations and for employees reporting even mild respiratory symptoms. Gloves might also be needed. In 2022, a cannabis worker in Massachusetts allegedly died from an asthma attack due to breathing in cannabis dust at a cultivation facility. This employer was cited under OSHA's general duty clause for not adequately training employees and not having a safety data sheet for ground cannabis. So do employers that harvest cannabis have to have a safety data sheet for the dried cannabis? Yes, employers harvest and process cannabis flower are required to perform employee right to know hazard communication training. A safety data sheet would be required if there's any employee exposure to the intermediate products that can contaminate the air. So you mentioned that these facilities need eyewash stations as well. Yes, cultivation facilities use corrosive chemicals in the mixing of nutrients used for plant growth. Corrosive materials can severely irritate or in some cases burn the eyes. Skin can become badly burned or even blister on contact with corrosive chemicals. Respiratory hazards can also occur from breathing in corrosive vapors or particles that irritate or burn the inner linings of the nose, throat, and lungs. Tasks where employees mix, pour, or transfer corrosive chemicals most commonly highly alkaline chemicals like potassium hydroxide, would require the use of chemical splash goggles for eye protection and the ready availability of ANSI-approved eyewash stations. We recommend hard-plumbed eyewash facilities. Chemicals used in both liquid and solid forms should be part of a hazard communication plan and should be stored away from incompatible materials. I believe my OSHA has recently implemented a state emphasis program for this operation, which you mentioned earlier. Can you explain how a state emphasis program differs from a standard? A standard would create new regulations while emphasis program will not. So like most state or national emphasis programs, the cannabis state emphasis program is a guiding document for how MIOSHA is going to allocate our resources to address safety and health hazards that employees face while growing, harvesting, and processing cannabis. So what will the MIOSHA state emphasis program do? The emphasis program has both compliance and outreach components. MIOSHA field staff will receive training on the health and safety hazards in these facilities. 
our general industry safety and health division will have a goal of performing a minimum of 20 compliance inspections annually under this program. Consistent with our motto to educate before we regulate, there will be a three month enforcement delay on programmed inspections after the issuance date of the instruction to allow for initial outreach efforts. These include MyOSHA e-news and gov delivery email announcements, snail mail letters to establishments that could be targeted for programmed inspections and offering free consultation, education, and training division services, and the creation of a MyOSHA webpage for cannabis, and updating the MyOSHA outreach materials for cannabis. So it really has the same weight as a new standard. It'll just be enforcing the applicable standards, which you've gone through in great detail. So does the MyOSHA state emphasis program apply to retail cannabis establishments? No, uh, only growing, harvesting, and processing operations. Okay, well, that's pretty comprehensive. There's a lot of rules that would apply, but a lot of them just are common sense. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add or any final thoughts to this? I'd like to reiterate that the MyOSHA consultation, education, and division train, division's on-site consultation program helps employers by performing free confidential on-site hazard surveys where we assist employers with coming into compliance with MyOSHA regulations. This free service includes a physical survey of the facilities, written program reviews, and employee training reviews. If anyone is interested in participating with the on-site program, they can visit www.michigan.gov forward slash CET RCA, that's www.michigan.gov forward slash CETRCA. Wow, there's a lot that we covered here. So some of the bigger hazards are the gases used, the electricity issues, uh, fire issues, all these things related to agriculture. I watch states, there are a lot of rules that could apply in a cannabis grow operation. So a new industry needs the EHS professionals to become familiar with potential hazards associated with this operation. MyOSHA stands ready to serve as a resource to address those hazards. I'd like to thank Eric Zavin, IH Manager, MyOSHA Set Division, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Uh, if you have any questions about this podcast, the Michigan Safety Conference, or if you'd like to be a guest or sponsor one of our podcasts, information can be found on our website at michsafetyconference.org. Thank you for listening to Safety Spectrum. This is Sheila Ive.